You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Money Pit is presented by Hertz and Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we're here to help you with your fall home improvement projects. What are you working on on this beautiful fall day? Are you enjoying all of the colors of the leaves? Do you wish the leaves would stay on the trees, though, and not land in your gutters? <laughs> do you wish you didn't have to do quite so much raking? Maybe you got a project you'd like to take on this time of year to finish up a few things on the outside or turn your attention to the inside. Whatever's on your to-do list, give us a call because we'd love to help you out. Whether it's a job you're going to do yourself or one you're going to hire a pro for, we are here to help you get it done once, get it done right, and not have to do it again. The number here is one eight 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 Money Pit. Coming up this hour, fall is an amazing season for beautiful colors and lots of fun activities, but it is also the start of fire season. That's right. Turn on all those heating systems, firing up the fireplace. Now is when the fires begin. We're going to highlight, though, some fire prevention risks you may not have thought of and give you some tips to eliminate those risks today. And fall is also the time of year to plant next year's flowering bulbs. So we've got steps that you can take right now for your best and brightest garden yet. And are you thinking of painting the exterior of your home to recharge, refresh, and generally boost its curb appeal? It's also an important job to make sure your home is protected from the elements. We're going to share some pro tips to help you hire the best painters for the project just ahead. But first, we want to hear all about your home projects. Give us a call for tips or the answer to a decor, remodeling, home fix-up, even an improvement question. Whatever project you are working on, we're here to lend a hand. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Let's get to it. Preston in Kentucky is on the line and needs some help with a painting project. What's going on at your Money Pit? I was just curious why I've gotten a few estimates on getting the inside of my home painted, and I was curious why they why there's such a wide gap in between the prices that I've gotten. Is one job different than the other? Well, it depends. When the first painter comes, did you have sort of your blue jeans on and dirty shirt? And when the second guy came, you were like all dressed, <laughs> dressed up in a work. suit and tie like you just walked out of the bank? <laughs> they they bid you Briefcase as much as they bid the job. Cuff to your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't wear the fake Rolex, you know, when the guy comes over to give you a price. Listen, the thing is, what you want to do is make sure they're comparing apples to, to apples on these estimates. So there could be a lot of things that they're doing differently. I would check that first, um, starting with the brand of paint, because the better paint is going to be worth it. It's going to be more scrubbable. Um, how many coats they're going to apply. Are they priming? What's the prep work? Is it plastered? Do they need to skim coat? Is there any repair work that needs to be done to the existing drywall? 
And also, you're just going to have to, because it's so labor-intensive, you're absolutely going to positively have to do your homework on all these guys and get references and talk to people that they did work for recently. And I like to ask people for references of somebody they worked for at least a year ago so we can see over time what their reputation has been. Because you definitely need to have someone who's careful about their working inside your house and who's also a skilled painter. So I would dig in on the references and I would make sure that we're comparing apples to apples in terms of what the project is that they're actually doing. And then another thing that you can do is always go online. And I like to search complaints against in the name of the business. And believe me, if there's anybody who's had a problem, they're going to pop up in a Google search. So if you search the word complaints in the name of the vendor, you'll find out right away. And keep in mind, there are complaint sites out there. The only reason people go to them is to complain. So you don't always get a balanced view. But if you see a lot of complaints on a lot of different sites, then you know know maybe it's an issue and you should steer clear. Does that make sense? Okay, great. Now we've got Anne in North Carolina on the line who's dealing with a wet crawl space. Tell us what's going on there. Hey, I have a question about uh, my house. Um, it's It was built a long time ago, and, you know, of course, back then they didn't put a house off the ground. And it's very low. And I'm just wondering how I can protect it from dampness and rot. I don't have a lot of money to work with, and... I've heard a few things, but I'm really not sure what what I can do. Okay, so right now you're on a crawl space, and the crawl space, is it accessible? Can you get in there? Uh, through one small door. Okay, fine. It's not a pleasant project, but it is a, a project that you can do yourself, in. So a couple of things. First of all, you want to take steps to reduce the amount of moisture that collects at the outside of the foundation. You do that by making sure you have gutters. The gutters are clean and free-flowing and dumping water at least four to six feet from the foundation. That's the most single most important thing to do is a good gutter system. Second to that is to make sure the soil around the house slopes away. You don't want soil that's settled and is very flat and holds water against the foundation. You want it to slope away. So you could have some clean fill dirt delivered, very inexpensive, basically just carry, pay for the truck to carry it out there, and then grade that to slope away from the walls on all four sides. Over the fill dirt, you could put some topsoil and some seed or stone or whatever you want to do to control erosion. And then the third thing you do is go in that crawl space and cover all of the open soil with plastic. Get some large rolls of sheet plastic with as few seams as possible. Cover all of the soil with plastic. That stops a lot of the moisture from evaporating up into the air. And those three things together will make a big difference. Do I need a certain thickness? Uh, the thicker the plastic, the better, because it's just it's easier to put down. You end up having to crawl on it, and you won't poke through. Okay, and does it need to be anchored in any way? Nope, you can lay it right over the soil. Really? Uh, yep. I like that. I don't like okay. the tall part. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's just... It's a little scary under there. Yeah, it's a little, like I said, it's not the most pleasant job, but it's not hard and you can do it yourself. Get a really good friend to keep you company and do it together. <laughs> One who likes squishing bugs and giving you support. Okay, I appreciate it. That, that answers my question. Good luck, Ann. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Give us a call with your home repair, your home decor question. We're here standing by 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888 Money Pit. Presented by Home Advisor, where it's easy to find top-rated local home improvement pros for any home project. Go to HomeAdvisor.com. Just ahead, fall marks the start of fire season. We're going to highlight the hazards you're probably overlooking when the money pit continues. You live in a money pit. 
you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their True Cost Guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What's your home improvement question? Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT or post it to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor. Find top-rated home service pros and book appointments online, all for free. My uh, fall fix-up project this weekend, Leslie, was pressure washing mom's sidewalks. It were really, really And you did really everybody's black. on the block. Well, no, I, you know, the funny thing is I offered to do the neighbor, but I think that maybe he didn't recognize me and thought I was just like some guy and was trying to like, you know, talk him into like, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Can I do this? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm Joanne's son. I'll, I'll, I'm, no, he's I like, also no, can no, coat your okay. driveway. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but it was funny. My mom was inside, you know, she doesn't get around that, that easily. And so, uh, while she wasn't looking, I, I carved with the pressure washer, hi mom, into the sidewalks. So I went inside, took a picture and I said, mom, I got all that I could get done today. I'll be back next spring to finish. And I showed her the picture. <laughs> she had a kick out of that. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, the one thing that I carved my name into, and I didn't even carve my name in, but I remember taking like some house keys and carving mom into the, like the, whatever finish was on the front of a microwave. This is like right. 1977, 78. And I remember carving mom. And everybody was so mad. And my dad was like, you, did you do this? And I was like, no, it says mom. And they were like, yeah, that's not her actual name. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, you really carved. I mean, you dug in. I just, I just sort of strategically pressure washed the letters. <laughs> you cleaned the, the spot. Mom. I get exactly. it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So whether you are cleaning, whether you're repairing, whether you're decorating, whether you're painting, whatever's on your project list, give us a call. We'd love to help you out. The number again, 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Bill in Missouri on the line who needs some help choosing a kitchen sink. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I'm having a kind of a tough time trying to decide on these new materials and stuff that they're making the kitchen sinks out of now. Yep. And my wife didn't want a stainless steel sink and okay. she wanted one that was, you know, colored or white. Uh, one that would be easy to keep clean and wouldn't show scratches or cracks or anything like that. 
Okay. And I was trying to keep away from the cast iron because that's what we have in there right now. Those things weigh a ton. And they've got some new ones that we were looking at over at the Lowe's store, and it's called a Swanstone, which is a man-made product, and I, I don't know how good those are. I've had some experience with those composite products, and I will say if she's accustomed to a cast iron you know, porcelain sink, she's not going to be happy with a composite sink because they are a lot harder to keep clean. I mean, I've got one that's sort of like the undermount sink that's made of the like sort of one of the Corian wannabe products. And whenever we, you know, put wine in it or tomato sauce or something like that, it does leave a stain and we have to get the Bonami out and sort of scour the bottom to keep it clean. You know, there's there's if you're used to a cast iron sink and that is definitely the easiest one to keep clean, I gotta tell you. You know, the one we've got hasn't hasn't been that easy and it, it's it's shown scratch marks, you know, where the pots had cr- uh, scratched it and uh, you know, I just thought, well, you know, we'll just get something easier to clean. Right. But it has a nice, smooth, cleanable surface that doesn't stain. That's the nice thing about, about cast. I was telling Leslie uh, last week on the show that I just replaced a sink for my mom. That was an AmeriCast product, an American Standard product. Yeah. And it was actually covered by a lifetime warranty. So it had started to rust and chip in one corner. And 17 years after she bought it, American Standard gave her a brand new sink. Wow. And it was a cast iron, you know, like a porcelain enameled kind of a sink. And, uh, you know, she had a beige one that we took out, and they gave us a new beige one, almost the same configuration, 17 years later, and popped it back in. Well, I I want to tell you, thank you for taking my call, and I really enjoy your shows. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit, and good luck with that project. Julie in Colorado's on the line and has a heating question. My question is um, regarding heat pump and how energy efficient they might be because we're an all-electric house. Our electric bill is very high. And how is your house heated right now, Julie? It's heated with baseboards. And actually, we don't even really heat our house. We'll heat one room because it's so expensive. Right now, you're heating with electric resistance heat, which, as you accurately stated, is the most expensive type of heat. Now, a heat pump system would be far less expensive, but it would require a duct system to be installed throughout the house. So you would have that upfront cost of running the heating ducts. If you had that system installed, the way a heat pump works is it's kind of like an air conditioning system that runs all winter, except that in the wintertime, the refrigeration system is reversed. Now, if you've ever walked, say, by a window air conditioner in the summer, you know it blows hot air out the back of it, out to the outside. If you sort of took that window air conditioner out and flipped it around and stuck it inside, you'd have a heat pump. And it'd be blowing the hot air in the house. That's essentially what happens. It reverses the refrigeration cycle in the wintertime. Now, generally speaking, heat pumps are not always recommended for very, very cold climates because heat pumps only maintain the heat when there's a two-degree differentiation between what the temperature is set at, uh, what the temperature is, and what the temperature is set at, I should say. So if you set your temperature at 70, it falls to 69, the heat goes on. If it falls inside to 68, the heat pump stays on. If it falls to 67, the heat pump says to its electric resistance backup system, which is always part of a heat pump, hey, I can't keep up with this. I need some help. Turn on the heating coils. And then you're not saving any money. So will it save, will it be less expensive than baseboard electric? Yes. But it has a significant upfront 
upfront cost in terms of the installation because you'd need a duct system as well as the heat pump equipment. Does that make sense? Okay, sounds good. Well, October is Fire Safety Month, and it's the perfect time to make sure your family is safe from fires, which cause about 3,000 deaths every year. You know, it's not as simple as just changing your smoke detector batteries. I can tell you, as a former home inspector, I've been through thousands of homes, and there are a lot of obvious and also not so obvious sources of house fires that you could be missing. Yeah, so first, let's talk about your heating equipment. Now, it keeps your home and your family warm, but it can also be the source of fires from a variety of causes. So you've got to make sure that you service your furnaces, your water heaters, and boilers to keep them safe. Gas, oil, propane burning appliances, whatever fuel source you use, they get especially dirty and they do have to be professionally cleaned every single year. Yeah, and the same goes for your fireplaces and chimneys. They get combustion deposits that will build up and those can lead to some pretty serious chimney fires. So have the chimney cleaned and inspected by a certified chimney sweep before the season gets underway. And when you're using the fireplace, always burn hardwood logs because the softwoods like pine or cedar, they kind of burn sort of wet and they can clog your chimney. They leave a lot more deposits on than the dried out hardwood. And also you want to steer clear of burning paper or branches, which release a lot of embers that could also ignite your roof. Mm -hmm. And you know what else? Portable heaters, they're increasingly popular for keeping your rooms warm, but they also pose a very serious fire risk. So before you use a heater, you want to make sure you read and study those manufacturer instructions and be very careful not to place that heater where it can be knocked over and keep it away from clothing, paper, furniture, anything else around your house that's a combustible. And believe me, there are a lot of them at home. And also, when you're refueling those heaters, make sure you let them cool down completely. Don't ever mix or substitute fuels like gas and kerosene. Portable heaters are designed for one fuel and one fuel only. And if you mix it, you could have a very serious fire situation on your hands. If you'd like more tips on how to get more out of your heating system and to stay safe from fire, they are online right now at moneypit.com. Sam in Idaho, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I have a length of cedar fencing someone gave me. Uh... I'm going to plan it. Uh, it's 10 or 12 years old, never been in the ground. I'm just curious if uh, you would recommend treating the post. Well, you can treat the post if you want to put like a wood life on it and make sure you get into the end grain. It'll help a little bit. But I mean, the best way to stop that post from rotting is more about the installation. And what I would recommend is this. I would use a post hole digger to dig it the hole just slightly wider than the post itself. I would put about four inches of gray gravel stone in the bottom of the hole, set the post on top of that stone, and then use the rest of the stone to fill around the post and tamp it down. Now, you can use a tamping iron, or if you don't have a tamping iron, you can use the butt end of a 2 by 4 uh, to, to do the same thing. But do not concrete those posts into the ground because the concrete will hold a lot of water against the post that will cause rapid deterioration. If you just put the stone in, it'll be really, really strong uh, and it'll drain well. So that's the best way to preserve it. Okay, guys. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Donna in Arkansas is on the line and has a noise issue. How noisy is that place? Well, I don't know. It's my son and his roommate live in a duplex, and the common wall between their living rooms, they can hear the neighbors, and so I'm sure the neighbors can hear them. They were just wondering what they could do on that wall to block some of the noise. What they would need to do requires a pretty significant addition to the existing wall. What they would do is they would have to put a second layer of drywall over the existing layer, and... 
there's two options here. You can use a noise-resistant drywall. There's a couple of different brands of this out there. It basically it has some sound deadening built into it. Or you can use a product called Green Glue, which is sort of like a gelatin-like adhesive, and you would apply that to the old wall, and then you would put new drywall over that, and that creates um, a noise barrier. Uh, and you also have to be very careful around the outlets and any uh, openings in the wall, and they have to be sealed properly. And even if you do all of that, you will still probably get some sound uh, through that wall. Unfortunately, soundproofing is not is harder to do after the fact than it is to do when you're building it from scratch. So not always the answer exactly that you want to hear, but, but that's really what it takes to try to soundproof uh, the rooms in this situation. All right. Well, we sure appreciate you taking our call, and thank you very much. All right. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You can give us a call anytime with your home repair or your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Well, fall's the time of year to plant next year's flowering bulbs. We're going to tell you what you need to do now to have the very best garden ever come spring when the Money Pit continues. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of Home Advisor's top-rated pros for free. That number again is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Now we're heading to South Dakota where David's on the line. What can we do for you today? Yes, thanks for taking my call. I just said my... A uh, 120-year-old house uh, sided with with new vinyl siding. I got relatively new vinyl windows, 
And I'm curious, do I caulk between the J-channel and the window frame on the outside? No, you don't have to. Okay, it's not necessary? No, it's not necessary. Um, it should be watertight the way if the installers put it in correctly. It should be watertight as it is. Uh, if they needed, if it needed to be caulked, they would have done that. I know it looks like there's a big gap there, but but that's pretty typical. And you ge- you generally don't have to caulk between the back of the J channel and the side of the window. Yeah, I was just worried about if it rains from a certain angle, it's going to you know wick down through that gap and then run behind the siding. Usually, that's pretty tight and that won't happen. I mean, there's no reason you can't caulk it, but I don't necessarily think you have to do it. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Okay, well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, if you'd like to have the best flower garden ever come springtime, now is the time to take an important first step, and that's actually planting the bulbs. Now, to set yourself up for success when the weather turns warm again, here's a few things that you've got to remember. Now, you want to make sure that you follow the basic rules of thumb. Now, first of all, you want to dig a hole that's three times as deep as that bulb is high. Then you want to go ahead and add bone meal into the hole itself, or you can substitute that with some sort of squirrel deterrent, because trust me, You'll plant those bulbs if they're not deep enough, and if you don't take an extra step, you're going to turn around and find a squirrel just sitting on your lawn eating this big, juicy bulb, and they'll be like, thanks, I see there's 50 more that I can have for the next few weeks. And then when you plant it, make sure you plant that bulb with the tip side up, because obviously it's going to grow up and out of the dirt. So those are the few things you got to start with. Now, let's talk about timing. In general, the bulbs should be planted about six weeks before the first ground freezing frost. Now, the ideal date is going to vary by local climate. The USDA has a plant hardiness zone map that can give you some more tips on what's right for your area. Mm -hmm. And you also want to make sure that you plant enough bulbs for the size of your garden. You should discuss the amount of bulbs per square foot of soil for various flowers. You know, for example, it's six to eight tulips per square foot. And then adjust based on that bulb size. The bigger the bulb, the larger the flower. And then try layering the bulbs. You know, think about planting different bulb types at different depths in the same hole. That's where you're going to get staggered blooms. Now, let's say maybe you procrastinated a bit too long and the ground's already gotten hard. Is there anything you can do with the pile of bulbs you've got on hand? Well, the answer is is maybe. If the ground is frozen or wet from rain, you could wait for a thaw or dry weather and plant the bulbs deeper than you otherwise would. This is going to help protect them, especially the roots, from the cold. And the alternative, the bulbs could also be planted in pots and stored over the winter in a cool, though not freezing dark place, like maybe down in your basement, and then watered sparingly during the winter period. In the spring, the pots can be brought outside once again. Valerie in Washington is on the line and has a question about outdoor decor. What's going on? I have a a simple railing on my front porch, and it's cedar. Part of it's stained uh, to keep uh, it from deteriorating, so it's orange-colored, and the rest is just naturally aged cedar silvery. And I want it to be white to match the rest of my trim. So there's two different colors, and do I do an undercoat, a primer, and is it oil-based? And can I get a stain, a pure white stain for it? So you probably can. Well, what I would suggest is a, is a two-fold a- approach. I would prime it first, and then I would use a solid color stain. because so I think that will give you the sort of more natural look that you seem to be looking for. But you should prime it and then apply the solid color stain. Now, because this is uh, off-color orange, as you describe it, if you don't prime it, you may get some of that that comes through. That's why I want you to prime it first. You'd use an exterior grade primer and you'd use a solid color stain. If you buy both the primer and the stain from the same manufacturer, you can be sure that they'll work well together. Okay, does it matter if it's oil-based or not? I would probably recommend an oil-based primer only because you're going to get better coverage over that darker color. 
but in terms of the stain itself, that could be latex-based. Oh, okay then. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, and I enjoy your program. Well, thank you very much. 888-666-3974. Remember, you can reach us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with your home improvement or your decor question or whatever it is you're working on, right here at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, is the outside of your home ready for a fresh coat of paint? If you've got two weeks, a 30-foot ladder, and some experience, this makes an excellent DIY project. For the rest of us, a pro will get it done faster and with a much better result. We're going to have tips to take on that project in today's Pro Project, presented by HomeAdvisor.com, next. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT presented by HomeAdvisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top-rated pros for free. 888-666-3974. Andrew in Texas has had something very unfortunate happen to a pool. The steps broke? What happened? Well, we were, uh, we were just chilling out in the pool one night, and it's got a brand new liner in it. And uh, in East Texas, they use saltwater pools, so you have to line them. And my buddy was getting out of the pool. He stepped on the fiberglass steps, which were not brand new. And unfortunately, his foot went through the steps. Now, the fiberglass steps... Are underneath your liner, or these sort of sit on top as like a an attachment? Um, it's an attachment to the liner. They they're two separate entities that are underwater. Okay, can the fiberglass steps be removed from the pool for repair purposes? Uh, I believe so. I have not tried it. In all honesty, looking at the uh, the degradation of the steps, like the shape that they're in, I think it'd be easier to just do a quick patch right now, if that's possible, or just entirely remove the steps. But can I do that without? sacrificing the liner yeah if you can get the steps out of the pool like disconnecting and out of the pool the easy way to do that patch is with more fiberglass you can go to a auto uh, repair store like a pep boys or a place like that that sells uh, perhaps uh, auto body supplies and you can buy fiberglass you can buy the fiberglass resin, and you can buy the fiberglass material itself. And you apply the resin to the step. You press the material in place. You let it dry, and then you would add more resin on top of that, and then more, and then gel coat to finish it off. Now, it's not going to match color-wise, but it could be very strong, and perhaps next time your friend won't step right through them. An easy fix is an easy fix, right? Yeah, but but the easy thing is to get it out of the water so that you don't have to drain the water, and you could you know do that repair you know on your on your, maybe in your garage on a workbench or something like that, and then just put the whole assembly back in after it's nice and dry and strong again. Andrew, does that help you out? Very much so. I sure do appreciate the help. Y'all have a wonderful evening. God bless, all right? Well, if you'd like to paint the exterior of your home to boost its curb appeal, change your color you don't like, or refresh a dilapidated paint job, fall is the perfect time to get this project done. But painting an entire home is a big project that requires proper planning, preparation, and tools. And in most cases, it's best left to a pro. We've got some tips on a few factors that will affect your project's budget in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Now, first... Keep in mind that painting an average house runs typically 
are between about $1,000 and $6,000. That would cover, say, between a 1,500-2,500 square foot house. Now, pros are going to provide estimates primarily based on the area of walls or the siding that they're going to paint, not so much the home's square footage because that really doesn't apply. Now, the pricing, though, is going to be based on a few factors, including the type of siding and the height of the building. Now, wood and vinyl generally cost less than brick and stucco to paint, and the taller the building, the higher the price is going to be as well, because the building's got more harder-to-reach areas, it requires extra equipment, and it takes more setup and cleanup time, all which are going to add to those costs. Now, like many projects, however, there are a lot more things that you need to consider other than price. I think the biggest one is the quality of the finished job. That's going to depend heavily on the quality of the workmanship and the quality of the materials. You know, painters that take a lot of shortcuts on the required prep work, like scraping and sanding away the old finish, they're going to find that a job is going to last a fraction of the time that it should. Yeah, likewise, failing to use primer as well as choosing a cheaper paint can also result in a lower quality finish that's just not going to last, just won't stand up. When, you know, with paint, the labor is the biggest part of the expense. So make sure you always insist on using the best quality paint so you get the longest lasting finish. It's actually a very small part of the overall budget. And finally, get cost estimates. Never take a quote without the pro visiting your home. Always get at least three quotes. You want to ask for references and check painter reviews and also take the time to inspect their previous work, including the recent work and also work that was done years ago. I mean, it would be nice if you could see a project they did five years ago and find out if the paint job is actually still standing up. That's really going to tell you whether or not this is a pro you should be considering or not. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Now we've got Janice in Kansas on the line who's got a question about grout. What can we do for you today? I had uh, installed a porcelain tile. It's a heavy-duty tile. So I used epoxy grout on the floor and all throughout the shower, the floors, the ceiling, the walls. And uh, what I'm wondering is, do I need to seal it? If I need to seal it, what kind of sealer should I use on an epoxy grout? I don't think you need to seal epoxy grout because the epoxy is going to prevent things from soaking into it. It's really the sand grouts that we want to seal. Well, I've already noticed some discoloration in it. It was white grout, and it's already sort of a brownish tint. Oh, is that right? That's probably water stains. Oh, okay. Yeah, that usually it's mineral salts that, that dry out. So try to wipe it down with a white vinegar solution, white vinegar and water. That might clear it up. Was that a good choice to use epoxy, do you think? Or? I think so, yeah. Absolutely. For a bathroom, perfect location for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a good day now. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. David, Alaska, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I've got a uh, uh, multifamily unit that I own, and uh, I'm having trouble with the floor. The uh, the major the floor is it's a three story building. Uh, the bottom floor being uh, ground le- or below ground level, sort of like a garden apartment. The windows are at level. Uh, the second and third floor, the floor is it's cement poured over. I think it's plywood underneath it. But uh, right inside the door, there's a large area that's uh, completely shattered. And it dips down in sections maybe as much as an inch when you step on it. I'm just wondering how to repair this. Would I need to remove 
the whole floor. What I think you're describing is the fire retardant that is used in multifamily construction. So to repair this, what you need to do is to remove that surface that looks like concrete. I don't believe it's actually concrete. I believe it's a product called Gypcrete, G-Y-P-C-R-E-T-E. It basically goes on as a liquid and then it dries and it looks like concrete, but it's really a fire retardant. So you would tear out the old material, you'd repair the floor, which is obviously water damage being near a door, and then you would restore it with new gypcrete to fill that area in. And if you do it in that order, you won't disturb the fire retardancy of the floor construction, uh, but you'll get the the, the solidity back uh, that you're losing because of the rot. And the gypcrete would be the same thickness because it's almost two inches thick. Yeah, you actually mix it up and you trowel it on. Okay. So you mix it to fit. You say I'd have to repair the subfloor underneath it, so remove the uh, plywood, go back to the joists, and, and uh, exactly. lay new plywood. Okay. Exactly. Yep, that that would be a standard construct, standard con- uh, carpentry repair there, but you're adding new gypcrete on top of it to restore the fire protection. Okay. Excellent. That's what I'll have to do. All right, thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Remember, you can reach us with your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Still to come, can mold grow on insulation? The answer is a definite maybe. We'll explain after this. Live in a Money Pit. Fit is brought to you by Sense. The Sense Smart Home Energy Monitor works like a fitness tracker, telling you what's on in your home and how much it costs, so you can save electricity and money. Learn more at Sense.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement, decor, or decorating project at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. All right, you can do that just like James in Delaware did. Now, James writes, I have moisture in my attic, just my attic. I'm worried I'm going to get mold on my insulation. Any idea how the moisture is getting there or how do I get rid of it? You know, good question. So, first of all, generally, if you've got too much humidity, too much moisture in your attic, James, the reason for that is because you have not enough ventilation. You know, the moisture inside your house, all that vapor pressure is going to get up in that attic space. You really can't stop it. The key is, though, that once it gets there, how do we vent it out? Now, most older homes may have, like, gable vents. They could have an occasional roof vent. Sometimes they have soffit vents. Very often, the soffit vents are blocked or they're inadequate. There's just not enough of them. But the best venting system is when you have a fully open soffit vent and then a fully open ridge vent that goes down the peak of the roof because that basically lets air into the attic from down low around the soffits. It runs it up under the roof sheathing and then out that ridge. And in doing so, it kind of dries out any moisture that might collect on the roof sheathing. Sometimes when I go up into attics, especially in the years I was home inspecting, I could see very clearly the mold growing on the underside of the roof sheathing. And I knew that, you know, in those days, you weren't so much concerned about the health effects, but I knew that when that roof had to be replaced, that sheathing was going to have to be pulled off as well, which really adds to the price of it because it was just going to rot away. And sometimes when it was really bad, you would actually see the sheathing delaminate again because there just wasn't enough ventilation. And also, surprisingly, you would think that mold can't grow in insulation, but it actually proved that it could. Some years ago, I was doing a sick house investigation, and we found uh, that there was uh, mold that was growing in insulation because 
because this particular house had some recessed light fixtures where there was airflow getting through those fixtures into the mold. And you know what the airflow was pulling into the insulation that was organic and could be mold food? Dust. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the dust got trapped in the fiberglass just the same way it would if it was a filter. And then the mold was growing on the dust. So that ended up being the cause of this problem, and they had to literally take the roof off this house and strip out all the insulation, clean it real well, and then put the whole thing back together again. So for all those reasons, you do want to keep the uh, attic as well ventilated as possible. And incidentally, there's one type of insulation, though, that you do not have to ventilate an attic with, and that's spray foam. Because with spray foam insulation, the attic becomes a conditioned space. It gets essentially sealed in. And I tell you, we have a really old house, and we did the spray foam to our attic. It was amazing, the transformation. It always used to be, you know, hot as heck up there in the summer and super cold in the winter. Now it's pretty much just an even temperature all year long. So uh, unless you have spray foam, though, you do need to increase your ventilation, and that will reduce that moisture significantly. All right, good luck with that project, James. Next up, we've got Christy in Pennsylvania who writes, I'm in the market for a new home. Can you tell me if there are any telltale signs that there's been water in the basement? I know it's supposed to be disclosed, but I want to just make sure. Well, a good home inspector will have an eye for this. But, uh, for example, I saw a house not too long ago that had all sorts of gutter extensions on it, and I could see that they were trying to try to keep water away from the house. And I knew darn well the only reason they would be going through all those steps was if they had an ongoing water problem. And then, of course, going down the basement, I could see mineral salt deposits on the walls, especially where those downspouts had been backing up. So usually homes that have water problems in the basement are going to have some telltale signs, and an experienced professional home inspector could detect those for you. And I think that's really an important thing for you to do if you're buying a house. Don't ever buy one without a good quality home inspection done. No, you really need it. It could help you save so much money and actually give you an educated look at what you're getting yourself into. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this part of your beautiful fall day with us. We hope we've given you some tips and advice and ideas to take on projects around your home. If you've got questions, remember, you can always reach out to us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question to the Money Pit's Facebook page at facebook.com slash themoneypit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.